set the stage for us to ask some kind of question. It was a question that arose in the life of ancient Israel. What we're finding is that their questions are still our questions. And then we're turning to the gospel text and we're looking for some wisdom from the words or the life and teachings of Jesus to seek an answer. I can tell you that Amy hasn't been altogether happy with me every week of this series. My phone keeps ringing and she says, what exactly does this mean? And how exactly did you put that with that? And what do you think, how do you think these go together? It's kind of like issue obfuscation all over again for Amy. Um, I have to say, here's what I heard when I read the Old Testament text and when I looked at the New Testament. And here's the question, and here's how I think the answer comes to it. And on a day like today, when we have something like All Saints Sunday going on, we have to say, does this really fit? with all saints. I hope that as we look at the question of religion, that we will understand that maybe this isn't just contrived, that Russ dreamed this up in his office one day, but there's something here that fits as we think about those who have gone before us, their lives and their faith, and as we reflect on that in this context of a question about religion. It may be, a, may be strange for a pastor to say, but religion is the problem, not the answer. And it always has been. Did you hear the confession that you just spoke? That's really the whole sermon. Our insecurities lead to the need for certainty. And religion offers certainty though its history is a cascade of failed certainties. The certainty of an earth-centered universe was replaced with a vision of a solar system and infinite expanding galaxies. The certainty of hierarchy, male over female, master over slave, straight over gay, has been replaced with an affirmation of equality and mutual respect. Religion offers certainties that are seldom certain. Faith offers strength, courage, hope amid life's sure uncertainty. Faith is trust. Our prejudices lead to the need for doctrine. I do believe God speaks revelation. But God always speaks through specific human beings who are biased by time, place, experience. My experience of God is different from that of a 50-year-old black male living in the American South in 1960. And it's different from that of a 70-year-old Muslim woman living in Egypt or a 90-year-old Buddhist monk living in Nepal. The experience of God, revelation, is life-giving, but when the doctrines that result from that experience cannot see beyond their own prejudices, they will always limit God. Faith offers a limitless horizon which expands all prejudice. Faith is commitment. Our superstitions lead to the need for ritual. 
Ancient people sought to appease an angry God or angry gods, and though we have advanced in many ways, a basic fear still haunts the human spirit, calls for proper worship or necessary praise may betray a superstitious impulse still among us. Ritual may just be the window dressing to cover our existential angst, a fundamental mistrust of the divine. Faith offers confidence before God and relationship, not necessary ritual. Faith is service. Now, like most of you, I was raised to be religious, and I always have been. And when religion serves as an invitation to faith, it is powerful and beautiful. But when religion turns in on itself, posing as God rather than evoking trust, and commitment and service, religion becomes dangerous, even idolatrous. The ancient Israelites had built their society around their certainties, their doctrines, their rituals, just like we have. Think of your culture. So if my own paraphrase of the text from Isaiah If these words sound heretical, even critical of our own nation, you will know that I struck the tone right. That is how they sounded to Israel when the prophet criticized its religion. Let the whole universe listen, for God is speaking like a parent. I raise my children right, but they have hurt me. Even animals respond to their owners, but not my own children. They are corrupt and have completely rejected me. It's like they want to be abused. From head to toe, they pay for the consequence of their actions. Can't they see? Not only their own bodies are sick and self-abused, but their cities are crumbling. Even the land is paying the price for their narrow vision. And now, listen to me, you who are so Christian. You've built your fancy churches, and you love your formal worship traditions, but it all looks like Bourbon Street or the Las Vegas Strip to God. God wants nothing to do with your church, your sanctuaries, those fancy robes you wear, the lectionary and your liturgical calendars, and all those straight-faced Christians singing their somber hymns, God hates it all. That's what the Bible says. So don't bother praying anymore, the prophet says, and don't think that putting a little extra in the plate will help either. God is weary of you. Your society, which prides itself in affluence and individual rights, is a culture of death, and the blood of all who are trampled by it is on your hands. Despite God's righteous indignation at you, however, God is just, and God is reasonable. 
You can still have a conversation, even if you want to argue with God. So go right ahead. Plead your case. But you know what God is going to say. You know what is right. So show me. Remember the little old ladies. Welcome the immigrants. Speak for those who have no voice in your power-hungry system. And I need for you to want to take care of the poor. But do it now. If you do not, you're going to have to live with the consequences, and it is not going to be pretty. That's what God says. So here's the question. How immersed are you in your religion? And how immersed are you in a culture that is wrapped up with that religion? Is it honestly offering you relationship with God and with one another as it should through faith? Or is it just dividing us, our religion, into smaller and smaller parties, warring at one another?
I'm so proud of y'all. You did it. You don't know how it tears their nerves up to stand up here in front of y'all and sing. And you just did beautifully and led us so well in worship. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today. You've heard the ancient story. Let us listen now for the word of the Lord. I think sometimes we think that's all there is to this story. What I'm really aggravated with Russ about is I need about five pages to tell you about this wonderful Zacchaeus story, and I got one to give you. So here we go, fast and furious. But there is a little bit more to that song than what I just sang. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. I love the commentary that poses the question, who's short, Jesus or Zacchaeus? Hmm. Never thought about Jesus being a short man, but maybe he was. So he ran ahead, Zacchaeus ran ahead, and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, he has gone to the guest of he has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, which chief tax collectors were known to do, I will pay back four times as much. And then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Now you have really heard the ancient story. There's so much to this story, especially on All Saints Sunday. I'm glad to get to call the name Zacchaeus in our list of saints for he is an exemplar of faith. Russ has posed a question about religion and he really answered it for himself. It's not about religion, it's about faith. And today we recognize the faith of Zacchaeus in this story from Luke's Gospel. And there's no religion at all in this story except for the guys that said, uh-oh, Jesus is breaking a religious rule and eating with a well-known sinner. 
That's really the only religion we find in the story. The rest of the story is just full of faith. Zacchaeus didn't walk any aisle. He just ran ahead. Zacchaeus didn't get baptized. He just climbed a tree. Jesus didn't ask if he knew the catechism. He just said, come on down. I got to go to your house today. They didn't have communion. They just shared lunch together. Rush used to tell this story to our boys when they were really small, and he always told them that they had olive sandwiches and a big glass of grape juice for that lunch. It was just a regular lunch, not any kind of ritual communion. In this simple story, there are no externals of religion, yet it is full of faith. A man that simply wanted to see Jesus. And once he saw him, his life was changed forever. Today, we celebrate and we remember the lives of members of this congregation who have died this year. The ones we say that have gone before us, not just gone before us in death, but gone before us in life. And as I look through this list of names that we will read out loud together in a moment, I think they pointed the way to God for us by the ways that they follow Jesus. It was their faith, not their religion, that made a difference. Some of them hardly stepped foot in a church. But their faith has shown us the way. It is a good day in worship when we can call the name of the prophet Isaiah. And we can call the name of this one who has shown us faith, Zacchaeus. And in the midst of those Old Testament and New Testament names, we call the names of our very own. Let us remember together Mary Rossiter, Don Scherer, Bob Lunnan, Ray Honeycutt, Ann Stuck, Ruth Fletcher, Don McGowan, Viola Rathgaber, Pauline Grant, Nancy Grant. Let us keep silence together.
Gracious God, it is good to say and hear those names this day, for as we picture each one, a smile crosses our face, even perhaps as a tear falls down our cheek. Thank you for these good servants. Thank you for all the ways that they have led us in faith by the way that they have pointed out you along the way. In all the ways that they have followed in the way of Jesus, help us to follow right alongside. For all the ways that they have given to this church over many years, we give thanks. Hear us now as we join our voices together, praying the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 